Hello, I'm Jonathan Eder. Welcome to Seekers and Scholars, a monthly podcast from the Mary Baker Eddy Library in Boston and online at mbelibrary.org. This episode, titled The Story Behind the Story, Biographies of Mary Baker Eddy, is something of a milestone for us at Seekers and Scholars as it marks our 50th recording. So, here to celebrate with me is my cohort and producer of Seekers and Scholars, Russell Fogg. Hello, Russell. Hello, Jonathan, and hello to all of our listeners. Yeah, Russell, it's, it's been great. You you have not been with us quite for all 50, but just about. I believe you started uh, with our, our second recording. But it seems that this subject of the story behind the story, biographies of Mary Baker Eddy, is a really fitting one for a 50th uh, milestone because it really goes to the heart of so much of what we do at the Mary Baker Eddy Library in terms of being caretakers of so much of the historical record that pertains to Mary Baker Eddy. And in many ways, our archives contain the story behind the story. It is here that people can discover more or verify or question the information, the knowledge that's already been generated out there about Mary Baker Eddy. So in this particular episode, we are going to look back at an earlier Mary Baker Eddy Library broadcast from 2014, in which two of our guests were Mike Davis, senior researcher at the Mary Baker Eddy Library, and Judy Honecky, senior research archivist at the library, when they were talking about this very subject of the historical record on Mary Baker Eddy through biography, how those biographies came about, what the stories are that informed how people accumulated the information and developed the perspectives that they presented in those biographies. So it's great to have you here with us, Russell, to get your perspective as producer, longtime producer of Seekers and Scholars. Yeah, one of the things I'm looking forward to doing for our listeners here is to maybe tie some of the content that was talked about in this 2014 program to some of the episodes we've been doing on Seekers and Scholars, as well as to some of the resources on the Mary Baker Eddy Library website that are current and active. So this will provide both an opportunity to reflect back on this program and get into some of the topics, but also to connect listeners with some of the things currently going on at the library. And one thing I just wanted to alert our listeners to is that this previous broadcast that we'll be revisiting represented an opportunity for in-person involvement, the sending in of questions to be part of that recording. And we're hoping to do at least a couple of those in the upcoming year. We'd love to hear from you about that. You can write to us at podcast at mbelibrary.org and let us know what time of day, if we were to do something live, would work best for you. And we'll consider how to manage that for our worldwide audience. So we're going to listen to this clip from Mike Davis and Judy Honecky as they're talking about some of the very first biographies of Mary Baker Eddy and how in many ways they kind of established the polar extremes of how people approached her life and thinking and writing about her. There were two very influential portraits of Mary Baker Eddy that appeared in biographies that came out during her lifetime. Both of these biographies first appeared as a series of magazine articles and were turned into books. 
Uh, one was The Life of Mary Baker Gietti and the History of Christian Science by Georgine Milmine. And this was published originally as a series of articles in 1907 in McClure's magazine. Millmine had gone around the countryside interviewing people who had negative views of Mary Baker Eddy, and sometimes she even paid them to produce affidavits articulating these negative views. And so her biographical portrait of Mary Baker Eddy is very negative. And at the same time, another journalist, uh, Sybil Wilbur, was going around interviewing people, and the upshot of her biography, which appeared as a series in Human Life magazine, was very positive. Someone once described them as rose-colored and black, <laughs> Wil Wilbur being rose-colored and, and Millmine being black. And they were pretty much opposite portraits of Mary Baker Eddy. It's hard to realize you're reading about the same person when you read these two books. And then there were other biographies that followed in these traditions. Uh, one that's been influential that followed in the Millmine tradition was uh, Edwin Dakin's book, Mrs. Eddy, which came out in 1929. And then we had eventually more scholarly treatments of Mary Baker Eddy's life that used uh, primary sources and documentation and relied less on just interviews with people who had known Mrs. Eddy. And the first one of those was probably Lyman Powell's biography of Mrs. Eddy that came out in some sense as a response to Dakin. And then you had Robert Peel coming along with a three-volume scholarly biography and other scholarly biographies since then, for instance, by Gillian Gill and Stephen Gottschalk. It might be a strange thing to say, but I do view the Millmine biography as having some value. Um, as Mike pointed out, it contains plenty of fiction, but I don't think that either Millmine or Willa Cather, who, as probably many of our listeners know, later became a distinguished novelist, I don't think either of them actually made these things up. The stories were likely invented by men and women who had known Eddie. And for some reason, and of course there were many different reasons, disliked her, and some obviously disliked her intensely. So I would guess that many of these stories contain a grain or two or three of truth, and so it might be our job as historians and archivists to kind of analyze some of these stories and figure out where the truth is. Uh, and of course it's also important to record what people who had actually known Eddie said about her. This is documentary evidence and evidence that a biographer must address. It, it really just can't be ignored. And we also know that a number of individuals made contradictory statements about Eddie over the years. I think one good example would be some of the people who actually spoke to both Millmine and to Sybil Wilbur. Uh, the things that they said that appeared in McClure's magazine sometimes contrasted starkly with what they said in Human Life magazine. So that clip, uh, interestingly, it, it makes me think of an episode we did with Ashley Squires called Mark Twain, Mary Baker Eddy, and the News. And what was interesting, um, Ashley Squires did some research here in our archives, and she talked about the the evolution of the Milmean biography and how uh, at one point, I believe in the 1970s, some research was done and, and some scholars believed that Willa Cather, who later became a, a celebrated uh, novelist, um, had 
been very heavily involved in the writing and editing of that biography. And so the University of Nebraska Press actually released the biography again, but kind of headlined the Willa Cather authorship of it. So it was really Willa Cather and Georgine Milmine. And that sort of canonized this biography of Mary Baker Eddy into the Willa Cather um, writing, and it served as a look at some early writing of Cather. And so it became of interest to Cather scholars and those interested in her writing. But when Ashley Squires talks about this in the episode, when she came to the library and researched and looked at the handwriting and the writing styles, she debunked that from her perspective and said, you know, this really is not a Cather-written article. She may have been involved in the editing process, but this really is a Georgine Milamine piece of writing, and it really should not be attributed to Cather in the way that it was by those scholars in the 1970s. So it's an interesting uh, back and forth of, of how, as Mike and Judy were talking, this difficult biography of Mary Baker Eddy has risen to prominence uh, based on on scholarship that, that may not have been accurate. So it's just an interesting addition to the ongoing conversation of, of who wrote what and, and what really is the origin of, of the claims in that book. Well, as we discover here at the library and in the study of Mary Baker Eddy, it is a, a continual evolution in understanding better what the authentic history was and how it pertains to scholarship in different areas today. I thought before we go into our next clip that I'd just read something. It's from a book called The Emergence of Christian Science in American Religious Life by Stephen Gottschalk, and he's uh, somebody who's also written biography of Mary Baker Eddy. But here he addresses the whole question of how to go about thinking of the different biographies that already exist about Eddy and how to engage with the information that exists. So he writes the following, quote, Her picture cannot be painted in gray. She was too definite, too complex, and altogether too interesting for such colorless treatment. Her life had a central dynamic that must be grasped if it is to make any sense at all. For Mrs. Eddy was, in the final analysis, a woman of religious vision. In evaluating her character and life work, one must take seriously her belief that she had discovered basic religious truth and had a divinely appointed mission to expound it. Her own zeal, the demands that she made upon herself and others, the vigor with which she defended her teaching from perversion and attack, her apparent arbitrariness in decision-making, even the excesses and irregularities of her highly charged temperament, all these phenomena come into perspective when seen from this standpoint. Much of the material that friendly biographers have soft-pedaled or eliminated from their accounts becomes relevant to an understanding of her character, while many elements in her life that hostile commentators have dwelt upon become of less importance or begin to make a different kind of sense. So I thought I'd share that with you by way of introduction to this next clip from the previous broadcast that brings us in to a later stage of biography of Mary Baker Eddy. This one comes from Gail, and she writes, it seems like Mrs. Eddy's life was often presented in a kind of whitewashed way, so saintly a way, that it both attracted idolization and also gave people an unrealistic picture of what the journey of faith looks like, given our human foibles. When I finally read Rolling Away the Stone, I finally felt 
less crazy. Do you have any idea how much that book helped me? Can you speak to this? Now, Rolling the Way the Stone was published in 2006, and that was written by Stephen Godchalk, uh, an independent scholar, and he did some of his work for that book at the Mary Baker Eddy Library. I'll just say something really quickly, and then, then Mike can continue. I think that part of it is possibly a reaction to the books like Mill Mine, that the first full-length biography of Mary Baker Eddy was the Mill Mine book, which appeared in 1909, first as a series in 1907-1908. And it was so hostile, so negative. It's understandable that part of the reaction to that book would be to write a biography that was far more favorable and perhaps overly favorable and maybe glossing over anything that even seemed slightly unfavorable in terms of her life experience and, and things that she had said or done. And I think now, 100 years later, we can start looking at things in a way that doesn't have to be just black or white, that we can start becoming more nuanced and talking more about her experiences and perhaps mistakes that she made, um, things that she did, and, and talk about them very realistically and very accurately. Yeah, I think that uh, for many decades during the 20th century, most Christian scientists probably weren't reading Milmine or Dakin, and they couldn't get these books in Christian science reading rooms. And and they tended to read more of these uh, books in the Sybil Wilbur tradition. And uh, I think the result was that they did tend to put Mississetti up on a pedestal and have this sort of a plaster saint image of her. And she seemed to be so far removed from the daily experience of so many people. And I remember when Robert Peel's books came out that some Christian scientists were upset by them because uh, Peel had revealed things about Mary Baker Eddy that showed her more human side, her faults and failings. So this was the beginning of bringing some of those things out in a scholarly and more balanced way. One resource that our listeners may be interested in uh, on our website is the uh, timeline on biographies of Mary Baker Eddy. That's available under the Research and Reference tab on our homepage. This gives a sampling of biographies about Eddie and gives a variety of ways that biographers have engaged with Eddie. Um, so you can see both the Milmine and the Wilbur biographies are on there. One biography that's listed on there is, is of interest, and it's called Retrospection and Introspection, and it's actually written by Mary Baker Eddy. So it's an autobiography in a sense. But as you'll see in, on, on the site there, it's referred sometimes as a spiritual autobiography because um, it's more focused on her metaphysics than her human history, and only maybe half of the work is autobiographical about her human history. But this makes me think of another program that we did on spiritual autobiography. We did an episode 37, which was called Windows into Spiritual Autobiography. And that episode, we talked with Mike Hamilton, our executive manager at the library. And we were talking about the program Spiritual Writing, Mary Baker Eddy and Julian of Norwich. That program was with our own Judy Hunnicky, as well as with Reverend Dr. Carl Scovel. It explored the idea of spiritual autobiography and sort of the spiritual testament of one's life rather than just the human events of one's life. And that autobiography, retrospection and introspection, might give listeners a, a good view into how Mary Baker Eddy saw the importance of her life and what she felt her life was devoted to and, and what the significant portions of it were. Thank you so much, Russell, for reminding us of Mary Baker Eddy's spiritual autobiography. Makes me think of an important question moment that came up in that earlier recording. 
that one could think of as pertaining to the origin story of the discovery of Christian science. And you'll hear later on in the clip that we're about to share some discussion of an individual by the name of Phineas Quimby. He was a healer in Maine. Uh, Mary Baker Eddy had gone to him in search of guidance, uh, healing. Uh, the two had worked together for, for a period, a short period. Um, but there has been some discussion over the years about any influence he may or may not have had on her discovery. So the question invited looking at that origin story, if you will, and perhaps uh, as Judy indicated before, that there is more nuance to it. There's more complexity to it. This is a, an intriguing question. It comes from Gloria in Massachusetts. Um, and her question is, I'm curious about a document that appears in Gill's biography. She includes a letter Mary Baker Eddy wrote to city officials asking to receive compensation for injuries she sustained from her slip and fall in Lynn. My memory is that in that letter, Mrs. Eddy claims to have sustained injuries from which she may never recover. Can you shed some light on this? How can this be if her healing from this fall was so important, Mrs. Eddy's discovery of Christian science? I'll say a little bit, and maybe Mike will have a few comments as well. Uh, 1866 was not the easiest year of Mary Baker Eddy's life. In addition to uh, the fall on the ice, she also was deserted by her husband. And so towards the end of 1866, I'm trying to remember, was it in September, I believe, she filed that suit in order to receive some funding because at that point she had little or no money. Life was probably seeming quite bleak to her. And so she put forward this suit, but then before the end of the year, I believe, withdrew it. Like I say, it was a difficult year for her, but also if you read through what she has to say about the years, the months after the discovery of Christian science, that the revelation came gradually. And so there were some dark moments as well as more light moments. Yeah, I think that uh, one thing that hasn't been clear to a lot of Christian scientists for many decades is the gradual unfoldment of the revelation that Judy was referring to. In fact, Mrs. Eddy didn't at first realize that the sudden abatement of symptoms that happened after her fall when she read the scriptural account of Jesus' healing after her fall on the ice in Lynn, uh, she didn't immediately recognized that as the moment she had discovered Christian science. It was only looking back at that experience in the perspective of time that she came to recognize that that was the moment when the essence of Christian science first entered her consciousness. But it took a number of years after that for the full theology and metaphysics and experience and healing to unfold. As a matter of fact, it was a couple of weeks, I believe, after this sudden abatement of symptoms for which we have a lot of evidence in the archives. There were people there who witnessed Mississetti suddenly becoming well after this accident to uh, show that it actually happened, but there was apparently a relapse, and she wrote to one of Quimby's patients, Julius Dresser, asking if uh, he could help her. So there was ups and downs after this healing experience. And right, and, and Dresser responded that he could not help her, that Quimby had not left any teachings right. that, that he knew of, and he, of course, changed his tune in years after that. But at that point, uh, I think Eddie talked about feeling a sense of loneliness and uh, a desire to go forward. So 
like Mike says, there there were ups and downs. It was it was a difficult period in her life. And she even says that it was only in the latter part of 1866 that she did gain the scientific certainty of her discovery. But even the theology and the metaphysics of Christian science wasn't really complete until Science and Health was written. Um, it was gradually unfolding to her over that period. Beliefs that she had gotten from Quimby were gradually being expelled from her thinking during that time. And so it wasn't like the whole of the metaphysics and theology of Christian science didn't drop into her mind right during that healing experience after the fall on the ice. I think one of the points that I'm going to draw from this was what Mike said there, that the scientific statement of, of Christian science was not really fulfilled until the publication of Science and Health in 1875. And I'm going to direct our listeners to a, an episode, actually two episodes, number 10 and 11, uh, with Andrew Ventimiglia, which have the unlikely title of Mary Baker Eddy as a Copyright Activist. He's talking about how Science and Health was an important publication for Mary Baker Eddy, that so much so that um, another lawsuit was was actually brought by by Eddy against a man named Edward Arends, who had plagiarized portions of science and health in his own teachings. And this was important to Eddy, not because of a similar thing that might happen to another author where they're they're concerned about their loss of income or their their marketability of their ideas or their writing, their authorship. For Eddie, what Ventimiglia brings out is the importance of what Christian science was and and not being confused with what Mike and Judy were talking about here. And, and that is this ongoing idea that somehow Eddie's discovery or Eddie's uh, version of Christian science was really from Quimby, uh, originated with Quimby. Um, so I think it's an interesting tie to, to episodes 10 and 11, partly because it involves a lawsuit as well, but also partly because what Ventimiglia brings out in those episodes is the importance that Mary Baker Eddy placed on the language and the wording of her discovery and the correct statement of her theology and her beliefs in Science and Health. The subject that we're looking forward to addressing in a future episode at some point of Seekers and Scholars is approaching this subject of the relationship of Mary Baker Eddy and other streams of spiritual thought that are connected to people like Phineas Quimby. So let's look at another clip from that earlier broadcast that again touches with some directness on the question of how to think about Quimby in relation to uh, Mary Baker Eddy and her thought and discovery, and then how to think about that discovery more generally and how it's treated in biography. Well, this question comes from Kevin in Wisconsin. He writes, I've appreciated how Jillian Gill's biography explodes the myth that Mrs. Eddy drew her teachings on Christian science from Phineas Quimby. It's significant that a respected scholar who isn't a church member has researched and presented the facts in such a clear way. However, Gill discloses that she chose not to try to understand the teachings of Christian science in writing her book. Could you comment on this? How can the discovery be separated from the discoverer in an accurate biography? Well, I did work with Jillian Gill when she was writing this book, and I think that she understood that in the limited period of time that she had to write this book, um, that she wouldn't be able to understand everything about Mary Baker Eddy or everything about Christian science. So she decided to focus very specifically on a few things like family, things like Quimby, the next friend's suit, the beginnings of Christian science, Eddy's relations with her husbands, 
things that she felt she could really grasp and understand and write intelligently about. And I respect her for that, for not trying to tackle everything and for trying to get an understanding of perhaps some of the significant issues in Eddie's life, but not everything in her life. I think that no one biography can be considered to be perfect or the ultimate biography. It has been wonderful to explore the subject of biography, to look at the story behind the biography, behind the work, the research of the biographer. In this case, on biographies of Mary Baker Eddy. And just a reminder about the timeline of Mary Baker Eddy biography that Russell mentioned earlier in the recording. It is by no means comprehensive. There is no intention of endorsement uh, in there. Um, It is intended really to give one a sense of the broad swath of ways that people have engaged with the life of Mary Baker Eddy. And people continue to do so. And as new biographies come out, we will follow that story. So, Russell, thank you for being with me for uh, 50 episodes of Seekers and Scholars. Are you up for another 50? (laughs) Definitely. Let's keep it going. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And I also want to let listeners know that we made a lot of references to past episodes and programs. So, if you're listening on a podcast app, head over to our website for the podcast, which is mbelibrary.org slash seekersandscholars. That's mbelibrary.org slash seekers and scholars. On the page for this episode, which is episode 50, you'll find links to all of the past programs we've been referencing and direct links to the other episodes we've been mentioning as well. And for those of you already listening on this website, uh, just scroll down through the episode description to find those links. Great. And please be in touch with us at podcast at mbelibrary.org with any thoughts, recommendations you might have as to when would be best for us to host a live recording online where you could send in questions, thoughts, with which we could engage during the uh, recording session. It would be lovely to have that kind of interaction. So we'd love to hear from you about that, again, at podcast at mbelibrary.org. And also to hear from you with any other thoughts or questions you might have about the podcast. So I'm Jonathan Eder, and on behalf of my colleague, Russell Fogg, thank you so much for listening to Seekers and Scholars. This podcast was produced by the Mary Baker Eddy Library, copyright 2021.